You're listening to Creative Confidential with Brian Tuck. Brian is an attorney who represents startups, nonprofits, arts organizations, and people who work in the creative industries. As an arts entrepreneur, Brian is the founder and CEO of Performing Arts Live, a Pennsylvania nonprofit corporation dedicated to creating and supporting live performance opportunities for jazz and electronic artists. Its flagship program is the Allentown Jazz Fest. Brian is a TEDx speaker, a Grammy voter, and jazz musician. Creative Confidential begins now. Olympus trailblazer Frank Smith is a self-taught photographer whose love for the craft goes back to a very early age. Decades later, Frank's passion for photography has yet to fade, and he continues to perfect his skills. As a philanthropic photojournalist, Frank's raw travel covers global themes shedding light on cultural issues, including regional corruption in areas including South Sudan, Haiti, and Mumbai. Frank has traveled to many parts of the world with a focus on people, landscape, and cultures, telling a story through his photographs. A large focus for Frank has been India. For the past decade, he has traveled to all four corners of India. Additional raw travel includes Atacama, Southwest United States, Cuba, Mongolia, Bhutan, and Iceland. As a native Northeasterner, Frank often focuses his lens on regional and local scenery in Pennsylvania. Frank's work has been featured in print, exhibits, and in philanthropic awareness campaigns. Frank inspires others through his workshops, classes, and mentoring. His goal is to help others see the unobvious and to instill the desire for creativity. And that's with a setup like that, we're, uh, we're very fortunate to have Frank T. Smith, not Frank Smith, but the, the T is important. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so Frank, welcome and, and thanks for uh, spending a little bit of time with us today. My pleasure. Um, we, so I introduced you as a, as through your ph- photographic work and, and travel, um, I met you in a very different set of circumstances um, and uh, chime in and fill in all the details that I forget, which I tend to do. Um, We were, so I'm in my quote unquote day job uh, as a transactional lawyer and we're in a uh, boardroom at a undisclosed law firm, uh, which we won't name. And uh, we had a a large real estate deal. I don't know if it was a warehouse being sold or bought or a, a, you know, raw land that was going to become uh, a residential subdivision. And Frank is the head of uh, a very well-respected commercial real estate brokerage. And that's NAI Summit. There you go. NAI Summit, which, um, you know, is part of a, is part of a global organization. That's correct. But in the Lehigh Valley, it's, it's called NAI. And, you know, if, if you, um, if you were, if you were, Casting a, a TV show, I will say, you know, and you needed somebody to be like the CEO or the president of, of something. Frank is the guy they would send down. You know, he just has this bearing about him that he's he is, um, you know, extremely professional, um, you know, always well prepared, always early, always, you know, thorough. And this was the way in which. I met him as a commercial uh, real estate broker and, um, you know, fast forward a couple of years, it was, it was when the, uh, 
concert event happen. I think it was maybe two years later um, where I was setting up drums at a jazz show I was playing at. And I looked in the back of the room and I saw a guy in a Hawaiian shirt with <laughs> with camera gear, you know, like, you know, one piece on his right side and the, the vest and the bags and the whole bit. And I'm like, boy, that guy looks just like Frank Smith. Maybe he's got a, you know, maybe he's got a brother or, you know, something like that. And I uh, turned around and hadn't, um, you know, just went back to work because we had to get ready to go. And I, I, as I turn around, Frank is right there and it is him. And we both kind of had that moment of like, what, what are you, you know, what are you doing here? Kind of thing. Um, when was that was, uh, it's a couple, three years 14 ago, 14 or, or thir- 2013 or 14. Somewhere in that neighborhood. And then, you know, from that point on, it was a completely uh, different uh, friendship, which, you know, we'll get kind of back to in, in a minute. But um, I, re- I just remember being floored that you had this other side of you um, that, you know, as a photographer, you were there to shoot the performance for the uh, for the venue. And, um, you know, I don't I, tell, you know, maybe tell us a little bit about your recollection of that uh, that incident my pleasure well i guess to rewind back to that uh, time frame i do i donate uh, my time to the allentown symphony now known as the miller symphony and uh, i do that for their jazz cabaret series and uh, i think it was at that session where i was photographing the uh, group and i look at it and into the group as it's being set up. And I think I recognize this guy and sure enough, it's you, Brian. <laughs> and I think that's when we both had our aha moment that, yep, you know, I think so. what are you doing here and what am I doing here? And we started to uh, discuss, um, of course, our vocation, but which immediately led into our avocations of which uh, we both uh, share that uh, special uh, place uh, in our world that uh, we enjoy. Well, and, and your use of those two words, uh, vocation and avocation, uh, that reminds me, you, you were a TEDx speaker in the first regional event that was here, and that would have been 13, 2013, I believe. That sounds about right. Yes, so, you're correct. So if you, if you go on YouTube, I highly recommend, uh, and it's only, what, 14 minutes long or 15 or... It's it's under eighteen, I know, because that's their criteria limitation. So so if you go on to YouTube and uh, and and search for Frank Smith TEDx uh, or it's or, or vocation vocation it, versus avocation, yeah, it, it'll come right up. It's it's well worth uh, your time and and really the gist of it. And correct me if I'm wrong is is that you know you have things you do to. Uh, to make a living or to ensure that you've got some kind of, you know, quality of life. But you also may have something else that you're interested in, whether it's painting or model. It could be anything. It could be athletics. could be, um, you know, model, you know, building model ships and bottles or, you know, whatever people do. That 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 really is more in tune with you, who you are or how you identify yourself. Absolutely. And I'm a strong proponent of that. And I'm very fortunate that I get to travel all around the country and give various presentations. But in almost every presentation that I provide, I take a moment and talk about, you know, maintaining your passion for your avocation and not let that slip away. And uh, I'm a very, very strong supporter of that. And I encourage people all the time to not let that slip away. 
Well, and it's it's very easy to do. We all have obligations, you know, constraints on our time, whether it's work or family or um, what have you. And it, it, you know, it takes a surprising amount of, you know, I don't want to say drive, but it, it takes a tremendous amount of energy to keep pursuing what it is that you're, you know, passionate about and photography in your case. Yes, absolutely. And uh, it's that balance. And that's always the hard part is to maintain the balance. Of course, uh, you know, I'm fortunate I have this day job that supports this nasty habit of mine. And uh, it allows me opportunities that, uh, you know, I wouldn't have otherwise. And again, it's one of those things where so many people come up and say, you know, I really want to do this, but I don't know how to balance it. And we have many, many conversations on the balancing part of it, which is extremely important and necessary if you want to succeed in both arenas. Well, it was, I know that it was, um, I mean, I can say in my case, knowing that you were, and, and we shouldn't just say a photographer, but we should say, you know, accomplished because a lot of people that you may run into, uh, you know, are kind of dilettantes at, at whatever their other thing is and, you know, which is fine and well, and that's a good thing, but you, you don't, I guess my point is, and when you go to Frank's website, you're going to see in two seconds, um, that you, you don't run across many people that are equally accomplished in two completely different sets of, of, of activity, you know, the way, the way you are, um, usually, you know, people will say, well, I took some pictures on vacation and, you know, here's the, you know, here's the, uh, here's Big Ben or, you know, London Bridge or whatever it is. But, you know, you're, you're out in, you know, you're in Cuba, you're going to Mongolia. I mean, we, we have a lot to kind of get into, but the, um, you know, the Olympus program that you're part of, um, may be unfamiliar to a lot of people who, you know, don't know that Olympus does this. So maybe you could just kind of give us a little background. Or Certainly. And first off, thank you for the kind comments. I appreciate that. Sure thing. Uh, I'm part of uh, what Olympus calls their visionary program. And there are 12 photographers across the country that uh, uh, we fall under this umbrella. And uh, they allow us the opportunity to travel all around the country and talk about photography. So it doesn't get much better than that. And it's nice because generally the uh, talks and presentations and workshops are usually on the work weekend. So it uh, allows me to not have that interfere, of course, with my day job. But uh, what we are, in essence, are ambassadors uh, of the company Olympus. Uh, but we're allowed to talk pretty much about whatever we want. And then the imagery hopefully speaks for itself. And, uh, you know, of course, people will come up afterward and say, you know, what kind of equipment are you using and so forth. And, you know, it's nice to be able to share the fact that it's uh, Olympus. And, you know, the really nice part about it, particularly for me, is that their headquarters is situated right here in Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. So that adds an extra level of uh, nice uh, comfort to the whole thing, if you will. Well, how now, so among the, the 12 um, members of, of the program, how, how did it, come to be that you were one of the 12? What was the process well, for that? I've been an Olympus shooter since 2003. So I've been very familiar with their products uh, all during their evolution, you know, their transition from film to digital. And uh, so I've had the familiarity uh, with uh, the equipment, of course, and uh, with a lot of the exhibits and uh, workshops and presentations I did uh, uh, 
independently. Uh, at some point, Olympus said, you know, we should probably talk to this guy. And uh, we started some conversation. And at some point uh, a few years ago, they asked me uh, to be and they invited me into the program, of which I was absolutely uh, delighted to uh, to do that. Well, how so how often do you travel for the for the program? Uh, I'm probably out a couple times a month at least uh, in, you know, in fall, it's usually the busiest time, so I could be out almost every weekend uh, during the fall time frame because that obviously leads up to uh, the uh, holiday season, which is an important busy time for them. So do you have a, for lack of a better uh, term, like do you have a territory? Are you are you mostly in the Northeast when you go out for Olympus? Or no, you... not necessarily. It's interesting. They're pretty strategic about it. Uh, in the program of the 12, we have some amazing, talented photographers, but with different skill sets. And uh, we have, uh, you know, a couple uh, uh, young ladies that are in the program that are brilliant at uh, baby photography and weddings. And uh, Brian, if you were to ask me to photograph a baby of yours, I'd be hard pressed to do a, <laughs> a reasonable job of it. But that's what's nice is there is the diversification. So it's pretty much uh, based upon the skill set and the uh, type of specialty that uh, uh, you know the photographer has. And in, as you mentioned early on. Mine falls into the travel arena and what I classify as philanthropic photojournalistic work. And in that area, uh, it takes me to some very challenging parts of the world. Uh, I've worked for uh, several uh, international nonprofit organizations that take me into some very dark parts of the world. And by way of example, a little over a year ago, I was in brothels in Mumbai, uh, with an organization called Worthwhile Wear that uh, is working on, you know, awareness to the uh, sex trade uh, problem that exists in the country, in the world, I should say. And, um, you know, talk about a challenging assignment. Uh, you know, that's one where I've never been in a brothel before. And, you know, and the, where I was, uh, it was very, uh, very challenging. And, uh, you know, one of those uh, where, you know, it's one of those places where I don't want to go too, too often. Well, sure. Now, how long in, in that particular case, how long were you in, in India for that assignment? Uh, about 10 days. So that's, a, so you're not, you're not in and out in 48 hours. This is, no. this is at least a one travel day on each side. Absolutely. I would think, right. Yeah. It's, you know, because of course the time differential and just the uh, logistics of making the arrangements and so forth, you just don't walk into a place like that. Uh, there's a lot of on the ground uh, maneuvers that are necessary and logistics to make those sort of things happen. Well, and, and I would imagine the organization, not just in India, but if you were on a, that kind of assignment elsewhere, um, you know, you, there has to be a fixer, you know, somebody on the ground that, you know, leads you through where you, you know, physically leads you through where you need to go. Absolutely. And uh, without that, uh, you're not gaining access to the areas that you need to. But because I'm dealing with uh, uh, these international nonprofits, they have people on the ground, they have the fixers, as you call them, and uh, they are, you know, they understand what the objective is and know how to get us in and out and uh, as reasonably safely as possible uh, in an environment like that. Have you, so I'm, I'm curious for the answer to this, but, you know, have you ever had any situations on these assignments where, you know, personal security is at risk or gear gets confiscated or anybody gets, you know, that kind of... Uh, well, I'd be kidding you to say that that challenge isn't always present. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of being as smart as possible and as, you know, planful as possible. But, you know, there are certainly circumstances that you can't plan. 
And, uh, you know, in the brothel, for example, we had to be very discreet. And fortunately, the equipment I use is small in size, and it allows me more discreetness than I might have had uh, in, in years past. So uh, it's, you know, there are times when, you know, it can be a little edgy. But again, it's just one of those things you have to you know, do the best planning you can on these situations. So now did that come to you through Olympus or did the nonprofit contact you directly? I'm always curious as to how, you know, when you end up in in a place like that, how did that start? Like it had, that started someplace. How, who contacted who first? Yeah, and that's not through Olympus. This has been through my own efforts over the years. Uh, I've established relationships with uh, many of the nonprofits that uh, I interface with. And uh, it's through rapport and relationships with them. And they obviously at some point realized that, you know, photography is a passion of mine. And, uh, you know, in the early stages of that, they'd reach out to me and ask, would I be win- interested and willing to help them in their cause? And then it led from one thing to the next to the next from there. Have there been any um, any assignments that you've declined because of instability in the region or, or anything like that? No, uh, I haven't uh, encountered one that uh, scared me off that bad. You know, one of the most uh, exciting ones, though, was uh, in 2009, uh, there's an organization called Alarm, has to do with the reconciliation efforts in Africa. And in that particular case, uh, you know, they invited me over and asked if I would consider helping them, again, with an awareness campaign. And I said, uh, certainly. And they had called me back and said, would you be interested by any chance in timing this uh, uh, at an event that's getting ready to take place here? And I said, well, what is that? They said, the assignments in Sudan and uh, the South is going to secede from the North. Would you be interested in coming here for that particular moment in time? Wow. I thought about that for a nanosecond and said, uh, by all means, to witness the birth of a nation was an absolute amazing uh, opportunity. And I was one of two photographers that was allowed full access uh, during the uh, course of the celebration during the in the parade field. And I was as close as I am to you uh, with the generals, the commissioners, all the military personnel. And I was allowed unobstructed access through the entire event. So pretty much a, a pretty amazing time in my life. But you know, all these guys are holding these big guns out there, and I'm standing right next to them. So, yeah, there's times when it can be a little intimidating, but uh, no, nothing yet that stopped me. Well, that's uh, definitely a story you don't hear every day. Um, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. Um, now, I know you were you were just in – well, not just, but last year you visited Cuba. That's correct. And how did that evolve? Well, that was um, one of those amazing coincidences. I happened to be there this past December – and uh, I was there the day that uh, President Obama made the announcement that uh, we were going to be opening up diplomatic relationships with Cuba. And uh, it was an amazing opportunity in and of itself, but to have that uh, layer added to the trip was just amazing. People uh, at night would come up to me and they'd ask me where I was from. And I'd say United States, and they'd immediately start hugging me and saying, we're going to be friends again. And it was just an amazing time to be there and chronicle uh, all of that uh, at the same time, which was just a, a real nice blessing in the in the big scheme of things. Was that so? Was that coincidence that that happened? Uh, the normalization, you know, the announcement of normalization of relations was that just a coincidence that it happened? You know, happened well, while you were there? Or I wish I could say that the you know the State Department called me ahead of time, said we're going to make this announcement. Would <laughs> you, you mind get, going over? You better it? get down there. <laughs> but no, it was strictly coincidence, and it was an amazing coincidence at that. 
Um, and then I know uh, just from following you on on social media and and you know with your your email uh, uh, newsletters that you send out, um, you were just in Mongolia and and not you know literally out in the wild. Yes. Um, you know, out in the elements, uh, for, and th- that was a long, that was also a long, uh, trip. Yeah, that was, I was, I returned about five or six weeks ago and, uh, Mongolia has been on my bucket list for a long time and I wanted to get to the remote parts of Mongolia. I traveled to the Eastern, uh, excuse me, the westernmost part of Mongolia where Russia and China meet, uh, just, uh, outside of Kazakhstan. And I had three objectives when I went there. I wanted to, one, photograph the landscape, two, the nomads, and three, uh, the eagle hunters, and in particular the eagle hunters because it's uh, a tradition that's dying out because it's a very involved process to train an eagle to hunt for you. And the younger folks uh, are becoming less and less interested. And my intent and hope was to capture imagery of uh, these eagle hunters and fortunately I was able to do that and it's interesting though that probably the average age was between 50 and 99 years old because I actually have a photograph of one who is 99. Wow. And uh, yeah, so that was an important part of my objective and I felt good uh, with the results of that. And that, now how did you, who, that, you initiated that trip or were you solicited to go to Mongolia. Well, it's not an easy answer from the perspective. There's a, about a half dozen of us that travel around the world together, and we generally try to find places of interest, and we made the decision, uh, I guess it's a little over a year ago, that we wanted to go there. But the logistics of Mongolia got so incredibly difficult that uh, two or three months prior to our uh, planned departure, we had to cancel the trip. So I went and did some research and tried to find somebody else who was going over there around the same time frame. And fortunately, I was able to hook up with a gentleman that uh, had done all of the logistics planning and uh, allowed me to uh, join him on the trip. So otherwise, it probably would not have happened. So it worked out pretty good in that regard. Well, in in, in a very nuts and bolts kind of way, you you know you fly out of I guess Newark or, or JFK or someplace. Where did what is what are the steps in the trip to get to where you were going? Yeah, unfortunately, these are never easy. I was uh, scheduled to go out of Newark, uh, land in Beijing, go into Ulaanbaatar, and then several small uh, airports from there. But uh, my flight was a six and a half hour delay, which meant I would have missed my connection in Beijing to get to Ulaanbaatar and got diverted to Japan and ended up having to jump off the plane, catch a bus to another airport. uh, And it was logistics, again, very challenging, but ended up getting there and catching up with the the fellow that was leading this trip and uh, was able to make it. But that's the the challenge when you're traveling to those types of those parts of the world is, you know, it's never black and white. uh, And by way of example, when I went to Cuba, the uh, the day that we traveled there, the airline was sold, and they told us they weren't sure if we were even going to take off. Fortunately, they were able to put it back together. But again, those are the woes and challenges with uh, traveling to places like that. You have to be flexible, and you have to be in a position to move pretty quickly if you have to make a last-minute change. Do you – now, do you – and this may sound like an odd question, but it's it's – I'm watching you recount you know these experiences. Are these things that are – more enjoyable in retrospect <laughs> as you're talking about them later or, or or while you're in the moment while you're on the ground and and trying to get you know solve whatever problem appears well it's on the it's, fly. it's both actually i mean i 
I enjoy the opportunity to, you know, meet the challenge, whatever that might be. And it's, you know, it's kind of like adventurous. Uh, you know, it's my opportunity to be Indiana Jones in some respects uh, in these places. And then, you know, the, the, the nice part is then when you get back and, you know, you look at the images that you've captured and, you know, hopefully you're successful and you're happy with that. And that's, that's where I get, you know, the other part of the enjoyment out of it. And plus the fact in many cases, if I'm doing it for, you know, a nonprofit, then, you know, there's the benefit of knowing that uh, hopefully the images will be doing good to, you know, for a cause. Now, what, uh, any future trips or, or, you know, let's kind of think, what, what do you have on the horizon? What's, what's next for you? Where are you, where are you headed? Well, this summer uh, we're working on the final details right now. Uh, I have traveled to India for the past decade and I've been to north, south, east, west, all parts of India. And it's a, from a photographer's perspective, it's an absolutely incredible place to photograph. And uh, finalizing uh, a trip that uh, we're working on, um, which uh, I will be leading, I think, sometime in June or July. We're working out the uh, logistics of that. Uh, but from the standpoint of something that's on my bucket list, uh, trying to work this out is I always wanted to go to Antarctica. And um, I'm hoping that if all goes well, that sometime before the end of this year, that I'll be able to check that one off the list. And and that's another one. You just hop on a plane, and I'm sure you're there in 45 minutes. That's also a multi-leg, you know, yeah. two-day. Yeah, we stay um, at five-star hotels while we're there. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I'm being extremely sarcastic. So, I mean, I guess on something like that, you're you're flying into South America somewhere, and then you're picking up a boat, obvi- obviously, but correct uh, down like Brazil or, or south of that. Yeah, it, it's it, it probably south, maybe even as, as far south as in the, the southernmost part of Chile and then, in, you know, from there hop on a boat somewhere. I wanted to go back to something <laughs> uh, you had said earlier about India being a phenomenal place to, to shoot. What is it from your perspective that is, mu- you know, it's much different than your, you know, any traveler that, you know, your average traveler, I guess. What is it about India that is is captivating for the purposes of, of photography? Great question. And for me, I define it as a land of many contrasts. And what I mean by that, uh, there's a very uh, drab and uh, subdued uh, component of it mixed with incredible colors and vibrancy. And the, you know, the Positioning of those two together just make, again, from a photographer's uh, standpoint, just amazing imagery. And uh, it's fun, too, because within uh, the country of India, there are so many diversifications uh, uh, as it relates to even the people, the culture, the terrain, the geography, all types of things. And you can be in North India, and not, and I share images uh, with people on that, and they say, oh, is that... Uh, Bhutan or someplace like that. And I said, no, this is actually India. It's just that type of diversification where you can travel all the way down to the south and see totally different people, totally different uh, terrain and so forth. And But all throughout, there's these amazing contrasts. However, if you're claustrophobic or uh, not a fan of crowds, then this is probably a place that you don't want to go to. And and to, for those of us who who may not appreciate why, and I've never you know I've never been there, so in a very you know we we see pictures and you know pictures of trains and you know people riding on on the roof and things like that, but a little bit of you know can you give us sort of a first person you know account of you know that kind of situation when you're when you're there? Well, 
if you're used to a uh, very structured uh, lifestyle, uh, you, you're not going to succeed well there because things change all the time. You think you're on a train that's leaving at 2.30 and next thing you know, there's no train there. It's just how things happen in India. And in that regard, it can be very frustrating to people if they're not used to uh, that. You need to have an awful lot of flexibility in that country. Um, but at the same time, I have found the people to be extremely enjoyable. Uh, it's a place in the world where it's difficult in many respects to photograph people. But in India, I found I find pretty much almost anywhere I go, they're very welcoming. And uh, you know, once they know, you know you're there to not cause any ill will, they're very accommodating in many respects, help you to show areas that you might not have found on your own, uh, just a, a really warm group of people. But, you know, to your point about from the vantage point of what it would be like, um, it's when you move within the streets, uh, you are shoulder to shoulder constantly. It's very rare that there is open space anywhere where you have uh, room to kind of just spread out. Uh, that's why I say if you're claustrophobic, it's probably not a location that's going to be very appealing to you. Well, we should remind everybody that if um, it's it's one thing to describe your work, but really uh, – Anybody that see you know gets through the first couple of pages on your on your website is going to know exactly you know what we've been uh, talking about. So um, your your web address for everybody listening is Frank T Smith Photography. No, it's FrankSmithPhotos.com. All right, I was I was not close at all on that one. <laughs> FrankSmithPhotos.com and and so on the podcast page um, there will be a page for Frank for this episode, and we will link uh, to Frank's homepage so that you can just click right through. And uh, and enjoy Frank's work, and certainly there's a way to contact you if anyone is interested in doing so. Absolutely, you can go right through the website. There's a contact section there. And if you want to, uh, if you need a photo shoot at the North Pole or, or someplace like that, I think uh, <laughs> Frank's definitely your guy. But uh, but really, um, to run into someone who is again accomplished, and and you know during the day Frank is is moving you know, multi-million dollar uh, land deals with, with, you know, some ease, I think by, by this point, you know, you've been, you've been at that. How long have you been in that line of work? It's uh, between 25 and 30 years now. So it's uh old hat, nothing to it. Right? <laughs> we'll just get some documents signed and uh, that'll be that. Um, but definitely uh, please visit Frank's website and uh, check out his work and uh, hopefully you get a chance to contact him or, or, or meet him if you're in the Northeast. Uh, again, well worth your time. And, uh, you know, Frank, thanks so much for, uh, for uh, visiting with us today. Brian, it's absolutely my pleasure. All right. Well, we will uh, talk soon, I'm sure. Sounds good. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Creative Confidential with Brian Tuck. To have Brian consult for your arts organization, for public speaking engagements, or if you have legal matters you want to discuss, contact him at tucklaw.com. That's T-U-K-Law.com. For future episodes, please subscribe to Creative Confidential on iTunes or visit us at creativeconfidential.net. This has been a Steve Mittman social media creation. Creation. Steve Mittman, socialmedia.com.